Welcome to the 20 Podcast. After the gig stories and before the gig music prep with everything in between. I'm your host, DJ Spider. That's right. Special shout to all the day one listeners and supporters. You guys have been amazing. All your questions and comments and support has been so appreciated. And uh, we've been growing this every week. Special guests. So um, if you have just tuned in for your first time, you're not a day one listener. Every week on the 20 podcast, we have a special guest in the studio to share their stories and insights, experiences, and all that stuff while also helping us to go through some of the newly released songs that are featured on the 20 playlist on BeatSource.com. Um, and a huge thank you to BeatSource. You guys, uh, BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. It goes way beyond a normal digital DJ pool with new features they're rolling out this year, like Link. It's literally going to change the game, so stay tuned. Um, and if you haven't been on BeatSource.com yet to check out the curated playlists, go on there. We got everything new, old, big room, small room, <laughs> any type of room. <laughs> It doesn't matter the size of the room, all right? But today, we have a special guest, all right? I need to tell you about that. In the studio today, we've got a DJ and a producer who is impossible to pigeonhole into one genre. You cannot put this guy into a box. No matter the tempo, the vibe, the subgenre that he's producing, it always sounds like him. Um, he's really developed his own sound, and um, I think you know it when you hear it. Um, he has a massive presence in the dance music and festival world, and I feel like it's only going to get bigger this year and going forward. Um, something that sets him apart from a lot of dance music producers is that his music is played by open format DJs, which are a lot of the listeners of this show, and I play a lot of his stuff. So um, I think, you know, a lot of um, dance music people don't think about things in that terms, and I think he does. We'll hear about it. Uh, his song Jump Up recently broke the top 10 on Beat Source's main chart, which not many dance music DJs can say. And uh, he's released music on Spinning Records, Mad Decent, um, Oswa, all types of stuff. Dim Mac, his own Bonsai Records. So please give it up. Give a warm welcome for Henry Fong. <laughs> oh my God, wow. they're really cheering for you out here. So oh much love. Oh shit. Wow. Oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Um, <laughs> yo, Henry Fong, thank you for being in here. On the 20 podcast. We appreciate it. What is up, man? Thanks for having me. What is up? Yo, so it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And as I said before, we go through like uh, the 20 playlist, which is on Beat Source, and we go through some of the songs and break them down. So we want to hear, obviously, all about your life, what you have coming up next, what you, you know, how you got here. But before that, let's get into some of um, these songs and see what you think about it. All right. You ready for that? Only positives. <laughs> I mean, you could say some negative shit. <laughs> this is the 20 with DJ Spider presented by Beat Source. Um, yeah, I mean, we try to find a positive, uh, you know, <laughs> outlook on the songs. We don't like, what if uh, I'm like I negative. don't like that snare. He didn't. I mean, this. I think you should say I'll that. I got real nerdy. Don't. No, yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. So let me see. Let's start off with this track. It's called, um, I D K W. I don't know what that sounds for, but, uh, it's by I've seen it. Yeah. Somewhere. It just came out. It's by, I think you. I think his name is Russian is the producer, R V 
S S I A N. Oh, dude, he's a he's big producer in uh, in um, Caribbean world. Right. So he uh, and then this song is obviously inspired by that, and he's got uh, Shanisa on there, who has that big uh, song with Tyga. It's really dope, and Sway Lee, Young Thug. Man, I'm out of the loop. So on uh, well on uh, popular music. So I. This is good. Well, all this stuff just came out literally <laughs> like a week ago, oh, so okay, probably okay. nobody knows it. Um, we're introducing everybody, so you're about to be in the loop. Let's go. Let's hear it. You may not be a movie star. You may not drive like her voice. A big fast yeah. Car, but I love you in every way. Yes, I love you in every way. I don't know. Ooh, I like the bass line. Yeah, it's dope. See me instead. Yeah, Sway Lee's voice goes pretty dope over it too. Pretty dope, pretty dope. Dude, I fuck with it. All I right. like the bass line good. has that little like Yeah. It goes it hits the high note on the bass line, it's good. Yeah, he like cut it out during the first. It. Yeah, dope. Alright, I'll fast forward a little bit. Let's see. That's like a tom almost. It's like a sub tom. Yeah. It's not yeah. even like you know what I mean. It's like, it's like a high eight oh eight. High eight oh eight. Yeah, really exactly. high eight oh eight, but it could be a tom. Totally, dope. And then you know, that comes from an original song. Is that uh, was the girl on there? Is her name Shensia? Yeah, she's dope. She's she's super got some. Dope. She's dude. She's like mega big. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. I play some of her other tracks. She's really like good. really good. And then this, uh, it's actually from this Wayne Wonder Buju Bonton song. Like, if I recognize the hold on. this is original. Okay, so this is the original one you're gonna play. Yeah. On. I sampled it. Okay. Dude, yeah, I've heard this ages ago. Exactly. Like, this is like some super old school shit that uh, that like I used to listen to, and I'm like, oh, I was trying to figure out where I heard it from. Exactly. Dude, yeah, I love this song. Wow. So pretty dope. They flipped it, you know, new school. I don't even know when this song came out. It must have been a long ass time ago. I would say that's it's probably 90s. Probably. Yeah. I have it. I mean, it's one of the first songs in my computer. Really? <laughs> like, it says 2006. I'm <laughs> like, damn. Yeah, it's got that old school uh, dancehall bass line. Yep. Yeah, dude, I love this song. Dope. I, dude, I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't Fuck. figure out. I was like, what is the original? And then I, re I realized. Right when it got to the hook, I love yeah. you. Exactly. I was like, oh. Oh, shit, this so good idea Russian killed it Alright dope Henry Fong approved <laughs> I like it <laughs> um, Alright let's move on To the next We got uh, That last one You know the original Is from Buju Bontan And Buju Bontan Has a new song On the Bad Boy soundtrack Called Murder She Wrote Down to mercy Bad boys Easy Take it easy and calm What is going on Alright well, a murder she wrote. He Definitely sounds like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing him on drum and bass records back in the day. You know, his voice is so dope. So recognizable. It's so, like, iconic. Yeah. It's cool he's out and he's making music again, right? Yeah. Like, right away. He's been coming out with a bunch of shit Dude, recently. he's doing, like, massive stadium shows in the Caribbean. Really? Like, massive shows. Crazy. Yeah. 
And he's getting paid on the back end, like for the other song, you know, like I produced the single for this other uh, this other artist, and his manager does his PR. Oh, she was okay. telling me about it. She's like, "Oh yeah, we have this this the show. It's in, in Jamaican Arena, whatever it was Crazy. in Kingston." And they're like, "Yeah, it's sold out like thirty thousand people or something." That's so dope. Yeah, good. He deserves it. <laughs> I like it, dude. It's cool that he's just making music again. Yeah, exactly. And like the production's very like future yeah. dance hall, sound. but it still has that old feel to it, you know. Yeah, where a lot of the dance hall doesn't have that old dance hall feel. Yeah, from totally. The 90s and- yeah. Um, all right, dope. Let's get into some other stuff. We were talking earlier about how like a lot of the Latin stuff is like sampling the dance hall and making these tracks. Yeah. So there's a Shakira song. What's the Shakira? Uh, Me gusta. <laughs> I heard this one. Like that intro, I was like, where have I heard that? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just the trend for the year, I think now. Yeah. I can't tell in these sometimes. I can't tell if I like it because it's the original hook or I actually like the new song. <laughs> I, well, I, I think that's that's probably the trick, right? I will say in a, in this vibe, uh, yeah. the Daddy Yankee Con Kama one. Yeah. Oh, man. I oh, love yeah. That. that was a this big record. Yeah, like that, that one's one. super dope. Um, yeah, this this is from that Inner Circle song. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like Hawaii. <laughs> It's like you just landed in Maui. They definitely changed the vibe a lot. They were able to take sample. At least, you know, they used, they found a, a, a different way to use it. Right. It's cool. The song's not for me personally, but. Yeah, I, like- I got you. Um, that's all good. All right, let's go into like two more and then uh, we'll move on. Um, you know this song? <laughs> just trying to figure out if that's a guy's voice or what. This song's huge, or about to be huge in the hip hop world. It's Roddy Rich, the box. Oh, dude, this is how, this is how out of the loop I am on hip hop, bro. Yeah, oh good. He, he's the, he's the. <laughs> is this the like number one, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I only know it after you said the name, I because I saw it, but I didn't click it. I, I don't, I don't know if this song's number one, which or is maybe the one his, he, he has ballin', one that's like number one on Spotify. Ball, that ballin' one with oh, uh, okay, DJ Mustard, yeah. But this is like. I was saying I DJ the Zoomies thing this week and it's all like younger it, kids. It's dope. Like, I like so that slow. I like that sample in the back. It's, it's crazy, like the strings, right? it's like yeah, the old it's like strings. So dramatic, like it's like you're in a movie. That's th- that sample's cool. That's built on that and it's not yeah. one, another one of those like same melody loops right. that they've been using on other hip hop songs. Flute or something. Yeah, a flute or like And then there's that E er thing. I don't know what the fuck that that's is. That's a little weird, but it's so weird, but it'll it stick makes in it your a, head dude, after exactly. you hear it so many times. It's like the part of the song everybody I started getting to the point now where I just echo out I drop it from the beginning and the crowd knows it I think the most important song on a lot of those hip hop songs The newer ones is that When that first The first yeah. Right when it comes Right in the words come in Yep On that first verse or whatever it is It depends oh if it starts God. with the hook or, yeah, he's like, If it knocks dude Like this one knocks right when the Yeah everyone just loves it yeah. Right away <laughs> Like it just knocks right when it hits Yeah It's good Dope. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get into um, maybe. Man, one I need more. to be educated on uh, newer, newer hip hop. Well, this everything is what that we're came out for. in the last like three years, I need to be educated. <laughs> <laughs> I got I'm you. out of the loop. I got you. I know. Anytime I have to do a hip hop spot, I'm like, all right, I got to get on my shit. Go what through. are the kids listening to? No, I know. <laughs> well, that's what happened Monday for the Zoomies event. Like, I was like, it's a lot of kids, so I'm like, okay, I get to play all these songs, and they know every single word, and they're going crazy, you know. 
and then I'm like, all right, this is the new. This is what I got to start dropping in the clubs and stuff. Um, all right, let's see. Let's do one more, and then let's get into something else. Um, you want to do another hip hop song? Sure. <laughs> Why not? All right. It's a new one. Yeah. I don't really know this one either, but it's uh, the baby and little baby. I was just gonna say, the second I heard the the way the 808 pitched up, I yeah. knew it was the baby. And it's gonna for Vegas. I guess that's a. Uh, I will say I'm a the baby fan. Yeah, me too. He's dude. So I don't good. know what it is, man. He just has a, a very specific sound and flow, and whoever his producer is, they obviously work well together. And yep. I, I like. He does that little thing where he pitches up the 808s on all the songs and however he does it in a certain yeah. way. In that weird way where it's like up and down. It's like so deep, yeah. So, and I think this is someone he's down with uh, called Stunna for Vegas. And then Lil Baby is on this too, so there's a lot of babies going on. <laughs> and that bop song, though. That bop song. I love it. So good. Like, I but I think I like it more. I like it because I watched the video too. The video's so good. It's if I crazy. never watched the video and I never saw those people dancing, I don't know if it would have clicked the same way. Right. You know what I mean? For sure. The video's like puts it over the top. I will say that is my uh, like hip hop guilty pleasure song. Yeah, it's so good. I don't really listen to a ton of it in my spare time, but that right. one, that song every time I get in the car. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I know. I play it in like all my sets, and uh, yeah, he's like he kills it. Like I was saying, I did that Zoomies thing, and they had him up there performing as a oh, secret wow. guest. Like none of the kids knew who was coming out so i'm they just djing lost their shit. oh my god he comes out and they just went nuts you know like That's oh awesome. my god and he puts on the best show like he does every song he's super interactive with the crowd he had these weird seven foot tall babies <laughs> on the stage <laughs> um yeah it was really tight That's dope, man so all right cool well that was the 20 right there um the 20 playlist. I'm going to have to go cop that uh, Russian song. Oh, yeah. Shinsia. Yeah, that shit would uh, kill it, right? And that was the 20 with DJ Spider. Yeah. All right. So like we said before, the 20 is a curated playlist of the best new releases on BeatSource. Um, so go peep that. All right. Um, yeah, you got to get that. I mean, you could remix that song too, the Russian one, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or just drop it. If he's listening, collab. Yeah, come on. Hit him <laughs> up. Hit him up. Um <laughs> All right, dope. So, yeah, dope. Thank you guys at BeatSource for putting that all together. Um, and now let's move on to hear about Henry Fong. Like I said, he's in the studio. He's an amazing producer. He's a DJ. He's a surfer. He's a dad. He's a million other things we probably don't know about. <laughs> Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He does it all. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show. We appreciate it. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. For sure. Um, and so... You, um, I know like you're from Florida originally, right? Orlando or? Yeah. Uh, South Florida. I grew up most of the time in South Florida and then I moved to Orlando around 18 oh, for, okay. for college and oh, then right. I ended up staying in Orlando for a long time. Okay. And is that where you started like as a DJ? Yeah. So I started, um, in college. Oh, okay. I was like in a fraternity and everything. And then I knew a bunch of people and then Basically, I learned how me and my buddy taught me, my buddy Nims taught me how to DJ. And then I ended up starting a club night. Oh, but it dope. was like, I wasn't the best DJ. It was more like I was getting booked because like, oh, you're in the fraternity. You can bring like 100 people out. Right. I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, and then I started like a promotion company in a night and with, with, my, with Nims and uh, one of my other friends. And we ran this night. And then we actually, the night was one of the first dance music nights at the college. 
So I was playing like open format nights, hip hop nights, and then maybe some one-offs like opening for DJs and stuff here and there that right. were like strictly dance music. And then my night was whatever the fuck we wanted to play Dope. at the time. Yeah. Like just whatever was kind of trending at the time that was underground kind of trending, like Blockhouse was popular. So a lot right. of when Electro was getting popular, we were playing all that kind of stuff. And then that's tight. Yeah. So that's how I kind of But started. you started off as an open format DJ. It was kind of at the same time. I love dance music, but right. I was just DJing. So yeah. I would just go in clubs and I was just playing everything, man. I yeah. was playing like the cha-cha slide. Right. I was playing country. Right. I well, playing, I think, I mean, that's open format DJing right yeah, there pretty dude, much. The, the bar, just, I remember the bartenders. No rules. The bartenders would give me a playlist. They're like, if you don't play these 10 songs, country songs, you're fired. Country songs? <laughs> so I had to go home and like download these songs and like you can't really mix country. No. It's just like a fade in and fade out at like 10 p.m. when the bar's yeah, opening. I have like two country songs <laughs> on my computer maybe. Yeah. So I was like play like country song the first like, I don't know, 20 minutes I was in there. Because that's, that's what the people in the that worked there wanted to hear. Right. And so it was, it was for the first customers that came in and, yeah. and, and their friends. So okay. I'd play that. You're like, all right, and now I'm doing my shit, you guys. I don't want to hear this country. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and so, um, like, when you were DJing back then, what were you using? Like, Serato or? I was on uh, 1200s. Well, first of all, I had these Gemini turntables. And I remember Christmas one year, I was like, Mom, I really want turntables i want to be a dj but this was a long time ago this was i was 13 or 14 okay and then it happened one year and i got like the worst gemini setup I mean, you know you know what i'm talking yeah, about of course the you first gotta, one you get yes i got the the two channel mixer and i got the gemini's and i wanted to be a hip-hop scratch battle dj yeah okay so then back in the day there was no youtube or anything like that i know and you yeah. remember getting the the, the vhs cassettes of like all the scratching stuff. Yeah. So I was like watching that. And then I had all these like, oh, this was probably in the, what year was this? Uh, it was, I remember the vinyls I had where I had like, um, Dr. Dre, the chronic 2001. Oh yeah. And then I had, um, some Nas stuff, right. Whatever was popular at the time. Yeah. So that, I don't know what year that was to early two thousands. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I was trying to be a battle DJ, a scratch DJ, and I just couldn't do it, dude. I would, just remember. Would you practice scratching? I was practice or? scratching, and I was just living in the middle of farmland, Florida. Yeah. So far from any club, so far from anyone act that was a DJ that could right. ever teach me. Uh-huh. Just with this one VHS tape, and then maybe some things I would have found on the internet. Do you remember what tape it was? Whatever came with the Gemini shit. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I was like put in the tape, and I was trying to learn how to scratch, and I just couldn't get it down, man. Right. I, I, I didn't have any idea of how setting the cues on records and where the records started and how to beat yeah. match. I had no concept. I would just like play the records and try to scratch. Yeah. And then it was, I tried for about six months to a year maybe. And I just felt like I wasn't getting any better. And I just, okay, this hobby's over. Right. <laughs> and then I went to college and then dance music. I started falling in love but with dance music. But did you stop DJing? Like, oh, t- totally. I was like, this is good. You were like, all right, I tried this shit. And then, for a and year. then I got in college and I, I wanted to learn how to DJ again. I'm like, dude, I got these turntables from back in the day. Ah. So then I went home and I pulled them out and my mom still had them saved in the attic. Right. And dude, these things are old. Crazy. And I brought those back up to college with me. I borrowed my uh, my friend Nims's mixer. Yeah. And then I put the Gemini's with the mixer and then I got Serato. Boom. Then my oh, DJ nice. career was reinvented. Amazing. <laughs> That's dope. So you were yeah. rocking. Do you still rock Serato when you DJ or no? No, I transitioned out of Serato. I think I loved using Serato because it just was so helpful for those like 
just those gigs where you got to play everything. Play man. country, just, ten I, country I, I, songs. I just, I just loved like searching for songs and just you can mix so fast. Yeah. And then I remember I started getting into production and playing strictly dance music, and I decided like I did not want to play hip hop and open format stuff because I wasn't I didn't have the turntable skills to do it, and I feel like I couldn't right. do it as good. And so I was like, I just like playing dance music because it's just easier to mix for me, and I wanted to focus on production. And then I started doing that, and then I sold. Well, I had then got rid of my Gemini's, and then I got the twelve hundreds. Oh, nice! And I was like, Make screw these twelve hundreds. Yeah. I'm getting CDJ one thousands. Yes, and I made a big mistake. <laughs> Why? Because I got rid of my twelve hundreds, oh, man, yeah, and yeah. then they discontinued them like a couple years later. And then and they're was, worth they're worth like eighteen hundred dollars a piece or something. Worth three times the amount. Yeah. I was so sad, dude. I was I like, know. Why did I sell these? But it, it, for me, it actually didn't make sense because these parties I threw was like it was super rowdy and everybody was like up close and everybody was throwing totally. shit everywhere. It was sweaty. And I remember trying to DJ on turntables a couple times and just like the needles were bouncing everywhere. Serato would go into whatever safety mode. Yeah. Remember, you know, when it goes off the it, deck. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I was just so sick. But I was like, I just need the CDJs, man. Yeah. It goes into internal, internal and you like, yeah, all this shit it. happening. I know. Like even with bottle service clubs, when they introduced the like confetti everywhere and all oh, this dude, stuff. Oh dude, what do you I'm even like, do? Yo, what are you doing? Like I remember Z Trip, you know, I look up to him as oh, a yeah, DJ. He's so dope, man. Amazing. And he came to one of my gigs and I'm like, shit like okay i gotta do some dope shit and then all of a sudden like they set off the crazy confetti cannons and it's going on everything and i'm and then i'm dealing with like the person from the club that's like the daughter of the owner of the f1 race wants to hear you know the <laughs> national anthem you know like some stupid thing and there's then, always something like that exactly in clubs. and then someone's like, spraying champagne and then a thing a thing and uh the I prince of saudi wants some obscure song that you don't have your library Can yeah you <laughs> exactly. You're like, yo, what am I supposed to do? I know I've been, I was remember being in Vegas and they were like, Connor McGregor's coming in, play the Irish national anthem or something. And I was like, oh yeah, bro, I got to edit right now. What does don't that worry. even mean? I go, and I go, what even is that? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, that doesn't even exist. I don't think, but this, like so much shit was going <laughs> on my turntables. And afterwards he's like, yo, that was crazy. He's like, it was like you were flying a 747. Like you're talking to this guy, you're wiping confetti off. I'm like, I know you have to be able to do so much shit, Dude, you know, with the turntables. And I relate to that. That <laughs> whole thing because I remember just like people requesting songs like leaning yep. over yeah. the needles and then there's shit falling from the ceiling. I know. And it's sweaty and then yeah. yeah. So then I was just like, yo, I'm just going to the CDJ 1000 yeah. and, and being outside and Florida. Oh, the the, the vinyls warp when you're exactly. Outside? It's not even worth it. Like just use CDJs. Yeah. So so I missed a um essential era of my DJ skills. I think in there. And I, I, looking back on it, I wish I would have spent more time developing those DJ skills before I moved on to production. But hey, there's always time, you know. There is always time. I and, can always and go back and mess Everyone around. feels like that about everything. I think every people yeah. that are really good at DJing are like, I wish I would work on production more, you know. I had to pick one, and, and uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, he had a big talk with me one night. He's like, dude, if you want to do this at a high level, you need to make your own music. And I remember that, and I was like, all right. And then after you told me that, I just didn't care about anything else. I just make music all day. I think that's smart. Did you just lock yourself in a room, make music every day? I was DJing Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, basically every single week in my college town in Orlando, Florida. Mm -hmm. And then Wednesday night was my own night where I got to play whatever I want. Weird is what I wanted. And then the other nights were just whatever. They were just, just like, like um, some were maybe like college bars. And then some may, may have been like opening gigs for other DJs and stuff. But yeah. Um, but yeah, man, and then I would just probably I'd probably wake up at noon and I would just make music all day until the gig. Yeah, I go play the gig, wake up, it's the same thing. Make That's music how you all day. Do it. 
Play the gig, yeah. I saw DJ Snake getting interviewed, and he had a similar kind of thing where, you know, he's a DJ, and he loves all that and comes from yeah. that world, but yeah, he's a, he's he a said DJ's the same DJ. thing. He was like, I just locked myself in and was like, I'm doing this every day, all day, all night, you know, and, and going to make it. Yeah, once you know you wanted to, but it's like, I already knew I wanted to do it when I was 13. I was like, I, you know really? what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, once you know, you know, and you yeah. like music, and you just like okay, this is the second time this is that I've wanted to do this. Like, I obviously yeah. want to do this. And you don't want to look back on it like, should I have done that? You know, like, you want yeah. to give it your all. And I was then, the kid at the party, too. Like, yo, Henry, you got the new music. You, you got the CDs for the party. So yeah. I was, like, burning the CDs for the party. Yep. So it was more of, like, a music curating thing, Yeah, too. exactly, yeah. Like, you were curating. Yeah, I just like music. I like Same. I mean, with the burn CD thing was the best because I would get all my music Hell and yeah. make my CDs and, you know. Did you ever DJ on the CDs when you didn't have yeah, the turntables uh, ever? Kind of. I'm more like, I was in a hip-hop group and I wanted to be able to scratch um, what we were making. So I would burn it on there and I bought a CDJ to oh, be okay. able to scratch the stuff into our songs or live at the show. Um, if I didn't have the stuff on vinyl or something, um, but I never got into, I, of course I tried to learn it and I want to know how to do everything, but I never, I didn't like the feeling of CDJs. I wish they would spin. Like it throws you, me off. You know, do you remember on the CDJ 1000s, they didn't have the digit the, to the decimal point on the, on the yeah, tempo. Right. So even if it said 128 or 128, it could go You off. still had a mix by ear. Yeah. Pretty good. So when I, there was a weird time when I had to leave Serato uh, because I wasn't getting any, all, all the, all the promoters booking me, they're like, if you're going to open, you have to play only on CDJs. We're not hooking up your Serato shit. Right. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. I better learn how to play on CDJs. And that was a big thing to get because I wanted to play only dance music shows. So the promoters, I was kind of like, well, I guess it's not cool to play on Serato if you want to play dance music. So I got to learn how to do on For CDJs. Sure. Yeah. And then I did that. And then I remember going back, I was like, like, you know, when you're like, like first learning to DJ Serato, you're like get so like staring at the screen, yeah, <laughs> for like beat matching, yeah. Is that Serato? They call it Serato face. It's Serato, <laughs> is, is that what it's called? It's like that David Guetta where he's like in a trance, so that GIF that everyone posts yeah. or whatever. He's like, <laughs> that's what some DJs look like. They're just like, oh, I'm going crazy, he's staring at my. I remember screen. friends would come up and they would like cover the screen, and be like, Can yeah, you still mix, bro. <laughs> I know exactly. But then I went to the CDJs and I obviously have learned how to mix by ear properly, anyways. Yeah. It almost that was like good. as if you were to close your eyes in a room and your ears get more powerful or something. You know, like that's what yeah. that is. Like you're forced to listen to it more. But it's crazy now that like you obviously been DJing for so long that yeah. if you hear a song go off beat, you know exactly if to jog it forward or backwards. I know. Yeah. And that is like a weird thing to where, you, where you hit a point where you can actually know exactly which way to jog it with just hearing it in two that's seconds. That's so funny. I never thought about Think that. Think about it. Like you, you can, if you hear a mix go off beat, I know which you, one's you're just like, going it's off. going forward or backward and yeah. there's no question. But when you're a new DJ, you're just like, Oh, is that it? Nope. No. Oh is my this God. It? You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Oh, for sure. Like I wanted to be a drum and bass DJ. So oh, that is just hard. To I mix. was like, I love scratching, but I wanted to be able to do these long mixes that were like a minute long and all on vinyl. Oh dude. And vinyl? you know, it's like, like crazy fast hi-hats. So, I would, same thing, I would freak out when I had to do a live set. I'm like, all right, you got to, like, Cannot you know, make sure up. you got the right one, you know, like, that you're <laughs> speeding up. And, so, and I would fuck up all the time, you know. I had, like, a radio show the first year I was DJing, and I'm like... You're live mixing vinyl on air. Yeah, I don't oh. want to... It was a college radio show that probably, like, four people listened to in the dorms or something, <laughs> but but still, and I would bring my turntables in, like, from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., you know, and just, like... Dude, that's dope, though. Smoke weed and play drum and bass and then hip-hop or something, but... but it was, yeah, I mean, I, it helped me learn. I would listen back to each show and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I never thought about that that 
time when it clicked where you just kind like, of know. Yeah, like now if you like literally just next time you have a mix go off beat and just yeah. you're just your body just knows exactly which way you got to jog the wheel for sure. To get it on beat. Yeah, that's so true. I know, and the wheel jog on the CDJ is like its own thing too, because you have to have some finesse with that. Like if you're too sloppy, you'll hit the top platter and yeah. then fuck everything. I mean, up. it was so easy after after hitting the top of the vinyl on the turntables. Yeah, and like how delicate that is, right? And then you go to the CJs and it's like, oh, it's just never, yeah. you know what I mean? Just it's, keep your hand down low. Yeah, you keep And I slow low. the record down the same way too. Like I used to touch the middle and now I'm just like, all right, touch the, the side. The other big adjustment too when I went from turntables to the CDJs was that like, you know, when like dance music DJs, they're just like yes. right, kind of bopping yeah, the cue. Yeah, they're hitting that And then cue. you hit play. But on turntables, you're like, yeah, you know, you just kind of like scratch drop it in a little bit. Right, right. And you get the rhythm. So going from that to just like hitting the play button and the cue button, like, yeah. it was weird. That is, uh, yeah, that is, I still am not used to that. Like, and, I, then, and then not using the crossfader, I had to like stop using the, I remember I stopped using the crossfader and, and I was playing, the and then I started playing dance music and I had a, a couple of, uh, one of my buddies um, was a, a pretty uh, popular dance music DJ in, in Florida. Yeah. And he was like, dude, why are you mixing e dance music with the crossfader? I was like, what do you mean? That's how you DJ with the crossfader. He's yeah. like, no dude, house music, you only use the volume faders. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I switched to mixing like that. Right. That makes sense. I mean, that's like that rotary yeah. life where they, you know, they have just the knobs and shit. Yeah. So now I play, I don't, I don't use a crossfader. Even so when I play, I just like only use volume. Yeah. No, I noticed that. Yeah, definitely. Like I was in Vegas when the kind of EDM or dance yeah. music, whatever you want to call it, thing was really blowing up. And I used turntables every night. And I remember they were like, everyone's getting on CDJs. Like, why are you still on turntables? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I just like the feeling of it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, dude, know. it's a vibe, man. It's a vibe. And also just the spinning part of it. Like I saw those new Denon uh, players and they have one that spins around Oh, and I'm like, I just feel like it works for my brain better. Like I can, should be spinning. Yeah. Like yeah. when it's not spinning, I just feel weird, but it's just a matter of getting used to it. The more I practice on CDJs and HID mode and all that stuff, I can do the same things. You do, know? do you remember when they like went from the one thousands to the two thousands and on the two thousands showed the decimal point? Yeah. And then it was like, it's like next level. I'm like, this, this is the easiest thing ever, ever. Yeah. Cause you can, it says this one says 128.5 you put this one on 128.5 and you play and it's like okay exactly. and then i was like wait this is too easy like what <laughs> like <laughs> i know well the good part of it is that you could start doing crazy tricks yeah with it, and know? then you get more on your you get more time to select your music and stuff so there's a lot of obviously positive yeah stuff. and you could come up with like other i've seen some djs freak it you know you they know it's on sync mode or they know that they're synced oh, up dude, you can take full advantage of that crazy yeah mixes you know i need to start see this is the things i need to like have a time and just like practice fuck with all of the stuff right like i know how to use the basic features of the mixers and the, yeah the cdjs and stuff but i like i really want to like dive in and just have time to just yeah use it to its full potential right the same way that you do the production like yeah just sit with your cdjs and be like oh what if i do this and this and do a you know some weird that's a weird balance is like keeping your production like level super high but then trying to keep your DJ skills super high. And I yeah. feel like there's not many guys that can nail that, but I'm trying to think like, who, who do I think that does that really? Oh, someone like, I, I love TJR, man. He's one of my, he's so one good. of my homies, but yeah. production wise too. And DJ skill wise, I think he has the best balance of both those worlds. Cause yeah. his productions, man, he can make any fucking genre yep. and he does, he not only can he make it, he makes it sound good and well produced and well mixed too. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, he's dope. Got some DJ skills too. And yeah, he's super. And like we were talking earlier, Dylan Francis. Um, yeah, he's Diplo, dope. Man. You yeah. know, they, they know how they're they know how to play open format. They're DJs. Yeah. You know that also are amazing at production. Um, so I think yeah, I mean it's something to work on. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and I noticed that too in in Vegas in the beginning they would start booking these people that had one big song and then they come in they'd go yo everyone's le-. they play the one song and then they didn't know what to do after it and it would be horrible and oh, no. the club owners would be like you got to get back on like they're making everyone leave you know and I'm like well, like you're hiring people that don't know they're, they're almost DJing to be able to perform one song that people like you know and then they haven't spent enough time figuring it out and then when they're in front of thousands of people in Vegas, it's so nerve wracking and people are feeding them tequila or Jägermeister, you know, it, it just, <laughs> that was a weird time. I remember when, like, I think that it's probably around like 2011, 2012, when yep. a lot of those guys first started blowing up and they're just yeah. producers and then they're thrown on a tour and they had to like figure out how to DJ in like a month. Yeah. I remember when Avicii, and it's like, like no matter what you want to do in a month, there's no way you can put it. You have to just put in that time of years of just reading crowds and playing clubs you know yep. what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can't teach that. And you're throwing those guys out in the mix. And it was like, I know I'm sure that was really, especially I've heard some guys too. I remember going to ultra and stuff and these guys, and I was like, they were like train wrecking on main stage. You know? I know. And you're like, Oh yeah, maybe just use a, Hey, at least their music. You're like, well, their music's good. So <laughs> I know exactly. That's why I give them a pass. I'm like, yeah, whatever you're making dope or shit. But the hard, the hardcore turntablist guys, man, if they ever, Oh yeah. <laughs> and all the DJ group chats are just people talking shit. Oh, <laughs> this guy fucking sucks. Filming a video. <laughs> Um, whatever DJs are like the, you know, maddest, bitter people. Some of them. Yeah. They, they, they range. Yeah. They, they can be very anal about certain things. Exactly. It's like how many DJs? I'm sure I already said something wrong that pissed somebody off about CDJs <laughs> and turntables or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Gemini's. Gemini's. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so did you like, um, so you didn't really make like a conscious decision to be like, yo, I'm in this open format world or top 40 or whatever and playing country songs. I don't like it. I want to be this other type of thing or oh, no, was it yeah. like a calculator or oh, just yeah. sort of? No, it was calculated. I was like, I just only want to play dance music. That's yeah. it. I just love this music so much. I'm making it. I just want to get my DJ career to a point where I was like, you know, if I'm doing this four nights, yeah. I just like, I just want to play this music four nights in a row. Right. So I was like, so how do I do that? And my friend's like, well, you go make, make your own music. Right. So then I learned how to make my own music. Um, me and, um, me and the Milonos guys, my buddy Dallas. Right. So we you, all got together and we just, uh, they taught me how to produce and stuff and it all kind of started, production started there really. That's so dope. Yeah. So you came up in Orlando with some like amazing, amazing yeah, producers, man. right? We just had this like little crew and we just all kind of. It's like a think tank, right? Like a giant, like you know what I'm saying. Like there's always yes. like crews that come up, kind of, and we were just all just helping each other and just having ideas, and yeah, you know. And then slowly, surely, we all trickled to L.A. Right to try to That's pursue so the dream. Who who all was in the crew? Uh, it was Dallas K. Okay, dope. Um, then Nims and Kilogram from Milo Otis. Yeah, amazing. and we had our other friend um, who's a dope uh, trap producer, Mo Green. Oh yeah, Mo for Green. Sure. He lives out here too. Now. So he taught me a lot too. He was making music. He was making electro stuff way back in the day. Really? So he came to one of my nights just because we were one of the only nights in town playing dance music uh -huh. at the time. It wasn't even called EDM before. I forget what we called. It. We we would just call it like. Electro, I think. Definitely was not called EDM. No. Like once that. <laughs> what what, EDM, what did you call it back in the I day? Don't, like, like. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, well, it depended what the genre was. Like I said, I come from the rave world, so we'd be yeah. like, this is techno, this is house, this is dubstep. Oh, so you, this yeah, is, you already used to I kind of knew that, but, 
But these but, new genres but, were coming up, and there was not a name right. for it. Like, that's what why when they'd be like, you play EDM, I'm like, you're talking about big room electro shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you want. Like in Vegas, and like you said, 2012. Like, they wanted that. They wanted Afrojack, Avicii, yeah. you know, Calvin Harris's beginning Even stuff. when people say EDM now, it's like half the people think EDM is that big room sound. Yeah. And then the other half of people are like, EDM is just as a blanket term to describe all electronic music, right. right? Yeah. I kind of stood on that side of the fence where I was like, oh, it just describes everything. Me too. Like, here's electronic dance music, and then here's all the subgenres under electronic music. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought it was. And then people say, oh, he plays EDM. Like, oh, he plays big room. Right. Old kind of sounding from yeah. 2013 stuff. Right, right, so I was right. Like, there's two sides of the fence, I think. I know. It's just like, it's like one of those terms. Like, even open format is kind of like a stupid yeah. term. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of DJs don't actually play right open format. No, they just play hip-hop. Hip-hop or and top something. 40. But yeah. real open format is like, you're playing classic rock. You're playing exactly. all the old shit, you know? Yeah. And, and even it just doesn't sound cool. You know, it's just like a dumb name. But I think uh, what is cool... I think open format has had a big resurgence the last like what maybe two three years. I feel like it's getting really popular yeah. again because um, I, f I feel like if you just were going to a club with you and your friends, even though you're a DJ, it's like you kind of just want to hear. I don't know. In, in in my opinion, like when I would go out in Hollywood when I first moved here, and yeah. I was like, I didn't want to go hear dance music. Right. I want to go hear like a really sick Hollywood open format DJ. Oh yeah. Spin through every like you know like a DJ AM style back in the exactly. day. Like that like, that played everything. AM was the king, obviously, yeah. and like. I would go see him anytime he was DJing because it would just give you so many ideas. It was Dude, the best night. Real. And then people like DJ Vice, Stone yeah. Rock, Graham Funky, like all these other DJs were just so amazing. Same thing. You'd go hear him mix the newest stuff into 80s songs I didn't even know or the way they're mixing them together. And I do think that now it's like uh, that's it's coming back in a way. And also I noticed, like I was saying, the Vegas thing, they would come the dance music producers and play. And then they realized, wait, I can play one different genre and the crowd goes crazy. So I think that <laughs> all other people that weren't into that kind of DJing are starting to realize like, wait, you can play everything in your DJ set and still make one kind of music, you know, and the crowd will stick with you if you do it in the right way. You Dude, know? absolutely. Like just even just like being able to skip around like the tempo ranges. Yeah. Like whether it's transitions or not or whatever. Right. Like playing every tempo. That's, for a lot of just strictly dance music DJs, that's pretty difficult to do. Super difficult because they're locked yeah. into one twenty. Yeah, you make house. It's like you make yeah. your house producer. You play house, and it's from one hundred twenty four BPM to one twenty eight or whatever. Yeah, you know? totally. So it's hard, and it's even hard for me. Like if I'm like, all right, this crowd's not feeling it. I got to switch it up. But I've developed so many techniques over time, bro. That's what it's know? about. It's like having those ways to exit out of certain tempos and exactly. going into the next, or ex exit out of certain genres and go into the other things. Yep. Or just have drops, or have time, have like, because you can use those transition records that are like overproduced, where it goes from this to that, and sometimes <laughs> some that's big build up. Yeah. Yeah, I like those. I pick and choose the ones I like. Some yeah. people hate them. But also you just can have acapella loops. You can have a drop like, uh, or you could get on the mic and just Dude. engage the crowd and be like, how you guys feeling? What's I remember that then, the, you know? the acapella ins and outs too. Yeah. That, that was a way back in the day. A lot of the open format DJs used to transition out. Yeah. Dude, that would be cool to figure out how to, I'm going to mess with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it would be cool. You just have like 
three to five loops that you like. You know what I saw someone doing that was dope? They would use the four CDJ setup and they would mix on the two and then they would have acapella loops on the one. Um, only acapella loops and it would be synced to whatever was going. So whenever uh-huh. they wanted to do it, they could do that cue thing, start it up and they'd be like, put your fucking hands up, put your fucking hands up. It. Boom. And yeah, and, and or it would already be a loop. Like they would make a loop in Ableton that was like five minutes so it doesn't end and then have all these tracks on their USB on the CDJ and then anytime they were like all right I'm going to get out they could number one put those over the songs playing or just flip to it and then figure out what they want to do you know yeah. go back in so dude you get so creative with that stuff that's man. like a a way where it's not like okay I got to load this go 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 you know like the open format style you can yeah. still utilize the more decks in a way I've seen some uh like if you go watch like some of the house DJs like Eric Murillo does that yeah. he has a whole deck he'll play like he does some like pretty creative transitions within just playing a, a genre of music that's the same tempo. Yeah. Like house, he'll like loop some crazy acapellas and do some crazy build ups and transitions and stuff. Yeah. And, but he's been doing that before the CDJs could even um, sync the loops. So do you remember back in the day on the yeah. old loops, like to get the loop perfect on the CDJ one thousand, like crazy, bro, that shit was always going off beat. I know. It's you know so what I mean? Hard. <laughs> yeah. You got to be like, and then probably what he does is if he gets it off beat, he has to then adjust the song, yeah, you know, yeah. as you go. Like, I know, I remember seeing way back in the day, like when it was just vinyl, like Giles Peterson, I mean, he would use the pioneer looping and echoing function and do that. Uh, and I was like, what is this guy doing? You know, I'm like 18 years old, like in London watching him and he's like playing funk records and then would loop roll or loop a thing out and mix a record in and i didn't even understand what cool. the hell was going on you know so yeah it just keeps advancing i think with the technology and as long as you it can make you lazy or it could help you get motivated I i'm guess. uh i'm re-inspired now i need to yeah i need to put some work in dope. here <laughs> yeah let's mess around <laughs> um dope well um and so like your sound um like i said before you're all over the place in a good way. Like yeah. you're almost genreless, even though you're in dance music. You that, know? Was, that was definitely a goal of mine. Like yeah. I wanted, to, I realized like I got so pigeonholed into big room stuff like back in the day. Yeah. I was like, who's the big room DJ? And I'm like, no, fuck that. Right. <laughs> but even your, I remember when you came, like, I think I remember when you came out and your big room stuff didn't have always a four on the, like a straight, kick drum did yeah it? i was using like, like different groups you would be like do 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 or like and i was like who is this person this is like <laughs> music this is different you know i, mean, I didn't invent that but i i, I, like, I know but you yeah. utilized it and then you'd have a weird reggae drop in it and like don't don't and then come back almost <laughs> like show tech would do that kind of shit you know like yeah. i liked it like it was big room but i'd play it every time because it would drop down to a crazy reggae thing the crowd would go and they would come back to that like uh, simple I, thing. I think it was always like trying to not make it like even if i was gonna like you know, I made Big Room back in the day. I was like, I still do sometimes, but it was also like, hey, how do you just make it sound a little left field, right? But still work in it. You know, I still work good live, and it's yeah. like, you know, there is that that sound that uses the same saw synths that everyone associated with, like whatever the Big Room EDM sound was. Yeah, it's like I was always trying to not be with that sound, just a right. little bit different. You know, yeah, like almost. Didn't you have some like super early stuff that almost sounded like that um Congo rock kind of stuff or Yeah, a little bit. It was kind of like I mean not yeah. like it, but the synth, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like that synth like you're saying that wow wow. Yeah, like, yeah. Every, I think uh what year was that 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 was kind of like the wave. 2012. 2012. Right? That was the wave of like that electro bass synth thingy. Yeah, it was like um yeah, that shit was dope. I mean that that con- where is Congo rock now, I wonder. Uh <laughs> Is he doing stuff? Dude. That song was crazy. Man, I love dude. He was one of my favorites. This one, right? Oh, dude. 
even that dr- even, the, even that, that drum tr- pattern like now that's what's coming back right bro and this was 10 this years dude ago. was so ahead of the curve man how crazy is this this could be coming out like today you know it could and then i know i'm not supposed to play stuff for youtube sorry um <laughs> that shit. hear the kick too the kick yeah. has all the bass too all of it so it's like a bigger is a pre big room kick before big room was like popular yeah you're right and then he has that reggae sort of or boom bop, boom, bop, boom you know Afrobeat kind of super thing. forward thinking experimental song and then and it sounded so different. simple and he would just keep bringing in the next step so you're in the club like oh shit it's just like growing growing do you remember everyone was playing this like i remember going to everyone. ultra in yeah. like 2012 or something it was the song Vegas every too. single dj dropping that i know but it's like that's a cool example of a song that sounds different than everything else i just like it was super fresh and forward thinking and everyone supported it. A lot of people are right. scared to like take risks with their production because they don't want they want DJs to still support it and yeah. play it. But that was like an right. example of one that like. And works. that's what I noticed about your stuff when you came out. I'm like, whoa, he's making this. And then when you started changing the BPMs and the tempos yeah. and incorporating the um, dance hall and like Latin stuff, um, it took yeah. me a while to figure out how to do that. But that was well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how did you get to that point? Like, w- were you always into reggae and dance hall or Latin music or yeah? So growing up in South Florida, I think that it's just like you can't avoid it. Uh-huh. Can't avoid like Latin music's on the radio all the time. Right. Like reggaeton. Like, of course. I was like listening to it on the radio and like peak when Daddy Yankee was like blowing up in like yeah. early 2000s and stuff. And like reggaeton was so big in South Florida. I'm sure. I mean, so it was I grew up there and it's just too. like you turn on the radio and you're in the car. It's like playing all the time. Right. You know, and then um, I th- it was like the beginning of two of like the Sean Paul era of dance hall where mm-hmm. like dance hall was all the hip-hop guys were using dancehall features like elephant remember elephant man was doing features on all the yin yang oh, yeah. stuff sean paul was like and and pitbull was doing stuff like with pitbull, elephant yeah. man and so you're right it was that florida is that south florida yeah. thing you know and that's just kind of that was the music on the radio that i was listening to as i was like a teen right so from a teen into high school and then i started partying yeah and that's the music people wanted to listen when they were partying right and i think that's just kind of built in so like that 90s early 2000s dance hall latin thing but it's like the old school rhythms like not right. the, the new school stuff is obviously i don't want to be that dude it's like oh the new school stuff's different but it is yeah. the productions are different it you is know? way different yeah but there's something about that era where um the the beats and rhythms are like very simple and it's not driven around like chord progressions. Now you see all like the Latin music and a lot of the dance hall is very driven around melodic chord progressions. Yep. And that kind of took away the that driving dance floor. Like if you want a song that works with the dance floor, it's like, you know, you have that just straight bass where the bass doesn't really change and it's less, mel- I feel like the less melodic it is, yeah. it's almost like the more clubbier and better it works in the club is yeah. to a certain point. Uh huh. But So that's kind of like the feeling that I started to want to figure out how to how to um replicate but within dance music so i was right. like how do i take that that feeling and put it into other bpms other styles of edm and whatever yeah does um and i think like you said it's a stripped down thing right is that like yeah like not doing too much you know leaving that yeah. space in there for the different things to breathe and for the people's minds i don't think people realize like people's brains utilize the parts that aren't there and like fill it in and it makes them dance more than just like endless sounds nonstop. Right. And also when, once you start adding this like chord progression, it gets like really emotional yeah. and it can get really sad and sappy where we just have like an old school dance hall beach, like doom, doom, yeah. doom, doom. It's just like 
that's what people want to get on the dance floor and dance to. I think you're right. In and my opinion. Yeah. You know? That I think that speaks to like, you know, twerk music or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like from you know, little John Ying Yang Twins era, it's a which straight was straight up dance floor bangers, where it's like city girls. You know, it's just like doom, 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 and then just a dope beat or like Megan the Stallion. You know, it, it, I think it takes from that element too, where it's like super simple, sounds so good in the club, and you know, just works. Yeah, there's just there's just certain ways to like there's just a certain vibe that always usually works in the club, and it's like, um. You just know when you hear it, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, that's a club banger, you know, right. as a DJ, I think you have an advantage too to know like what will work or won't work, or at least you could test it out. Yeah. Right? And it's like, usually just, again, simple stuff, but to yeah. try to make simple stuff sound like, you know, you, if you compare some of that stuff to like some of the modern dubstep productions, it's like, whoa, oh the, my the, God. these yeah. guys are so good with their sound design and stuff. And it's just, it's crazy. It can sound really, uh, less than compared to some of like the top dubstep stuff, which is kind of a, that's a, that's a challenge too, to try to make it stick in the same hemisphere and still be equally as impressing right. sound design wise. But, but I think that it doesn't even matter. Does it? I mean, it's different. Like it's like, yeah, it's different styles. When you go to like a hardcore show and you're in a mosh pit, like you're not caring about like how the guitar tone is, you know that's what I mean? True, then that's if you're true. going to see Eric Clapton or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the same way, like you're not going to, like, they're headbanging at the dubstep show, right? I mean, they're not like, yo, we're dancing, having a great... They're like, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that works for that. You know, and then it's like crazy people analyzing the sound design. But, like, some of the stuff... And the rhythms, stuff, too. The rhythms are, like, different on certain music. So you'll notice, like, you're right, like, dubstep bass fans, like, they like that groove of the headbanging vibe. Yeah. But then imagine if you were to play, like, a Moombatone song or something that was, like, 108 BPM. They don't know what to do. In the middle do. of that, like, how, the, the ways you just dance to, the way, the ways different crowds want to dance is different. I know. But, like, you could play that, that Moombatone song maybe in a, in a, a different crowd somewhere else across the world and it's going to go over really fucking good. Right. And the headbanging stuff's not going to go over good, but then vice versa. Yeah. So it's all about just like different crowds, like to dance certain ways. And yeah, you, know, you just got to take that into account. And you have to, it's same in the same way you edit yourself in the production and try not to do too much as a DJ. Of course we're DJs. So we love music. We hear everything. We want to play everything everywhere. But like you were telling me you were somewhere and you didn't even play one of your own songs because you didn't think it would work there. Yeah, well, You know, like you, and some DJs, I don't I think when they're first getting into it, they're like, I'm going to play everything. Why isn't this crowd reacting? But it's like, just like what you said, you have to know not, where you you're are. You're a DJ, man. You're, yeah. you're, you're kind of, you know, it's your job to yeah, to, to read the room and stuff. Yeah. Like, unless you're not, you're, you're like a really, really big headlining DJ. And then you do you walk you in want. a club and every single person there is there to see you play all your songs. That's a different story, you know? Yeah, That doesn't apply, but yeah, I mean, nine times out of 10, you go in a club and not everybody there is there to see you and you got to figure out the best way to, yeah. but it's just like an instinct too. Some, some people think that way. Some people don't. Right. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's like a lost thing nowadays, but a lot of the new dance music acts, I think they coming up, they, they just want to play whatever they want to play. Right. I think it's just, the way the world is moving now where everything's so fast, like you just get famous off one thing, no matter what industry yeah. you're in. And then you're just forced to be in the public and everyone's judging you nonstop. And you're like, yo, I didn't have that time where I had to like be around the better people and learn from them or yeah. carry the crates or practice. And, and right, you had to put in so much work to get to that point. So you learned that instead you're just like, I'm here and they expect you to be 
know everything, you know, and you're like, yeah. Yo. I felt like that at the beginning a little bit too. I was really? like getting in these like studio sessions. I started producing in like 2012, I think, 11, okay, 11. Right. I'd produce, put out my song after producing for one year. What was the first song you got like response on or that you put out? Uh, 2012, I put out some like electro song. I put it on on uh, the guys that own Beatport's label. Oh, okay. I used to, um, who owns Beatport? Uh, um, his name is Bradley. I think it's moved around. They had, they had uh, this thing called Manufactured Superstars. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and they're they, still around. Yeah, okay. I would play, I was resident in Vegas with them. They were one of the other residents. They would come out in the space suits yeah. and, like, and the guy had curly hair like me. So yeah, like dude, I remember people from party behind with them. would be like, Hey, I was like, no, I'm not the guy. I, I party with them a couple of times in Denver, man. They're fun guys. Um, yeah, really fun. And then I, I think I put out a song on their label and then that was the first label that wrote me back. But oh. then, so, but then it all happened so fast. Like I'd been producing for two, three years and I'm moving out here in 2000, end of 2012, or 2013. And I'm like, Okay, I had a couple singles, and then people are trying to get in the studio, and then I'm like, I remember going to the studio with like some pretty big producers, and I was like, Yo, I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> right. Like I wasn't a, a honed, sharpened producer where I could just go in the st- yeah go in the studio and uh and uh just like crush it. Yeah, for sure. You got you got like voice. imagine <laughs> a, imagine like a, a producer that been, has been producing for at least ten years. They get a big session, they go in, they're probably gonna, you know, maybe knock it out. Imagine right. you've been producing for two years. I know. And you get in the studio, you're just like, yo, what? I know. It's like nerve. You're like nervous. You don't really know how to do everything properly. For sure. But at the same time, you got to be in those out of your comfort zone uh, things to be able to grow to the next level. And I think something I realized a lot of the time, of course, there's people way better than me and more experienced, but everyone at the end of the day kind of goes through the same stuff, you know? Dude, everyone's the same. And has gone through it. Everybody is like that's alive wants the same shit, you know? Exactly. That's what I try to explain to people, (laughs) you know, like we're all, of course, everyone's completely different, but in that sense, like we've all been through those feelings and we all have them. I have them to this day. I've been DJing for so long, you know, but I'll be around different people like, Oh shit, I got to impress them or do this. You know? Yeah. You know, and with the production stuff too. I mean, I'm sure it's the the same, but that's dope. I mean, you must've, I saw someone tweet about you the other day. They were like, (laughs) I don't think these corporate people in this in oh. the, at this gig right now even know, but my man Spider's uh, Sp- I think Spider <laughs> Tech, Tech yeah. Spider Tech uh, tweeted it. Yeah, he came. I, did and I saw this, that. Uh, I was like, oh, dude, sick. <laughs> that was, that night was super fun. We were in Vegas for CES, and I, they this like uh, tech company rented out XS for the whole night yeah, yeah. and just had me DJ. And he came through. I let him get on for a little bit too, and he was DJing off my computer. But yeah, the whole time he's like, they don't even know what's happening here. I'm <laughs> like, well. I mean, the people that hire me must because they keep hiring me. But, but yeah, I mean, whatever. It's all good. And then the next night, I had a completely different night. I got to play with Anderson Pack at On the Record and oh. play, like, the most open format set ever. Just a straight power hour of, like, I was, you know, remixes of Boasty to, like, rock to hip. Are, you know, I went. What are your, like, top five quintessential open format jams of all time? Oh God, that's a hard question. Be faithful. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Be faithful still works. Dude, I mean, I play it sometimes still. And I, I have new mixes with it. You know, like, really? like Mac J did some yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, remix of um, uh, I Love Rock and Roll. Yeah, yeah. And like he has this crazy breakdown and I figured out a way to like use the Be Faithful buildup in oh, his no breakdown. Shit. So the second you think it's going to kick into his crazy like EDM thing, which probably wouldn't work for some of the crowds, it goes right into Be Faithful. And then people are like, oh my God. Like, you know, I just figure out those. I mixes. need you to write these down for me <laughs> so I can go home and remember that. I got you. I got you. I'll go, I'll go through. <laughs> I got my Serato here. So I'll go through uh, all the stuff. And it just depends where I am. Like, yeah, I, w- you know, it, 
it depends how open the crowd is. I'll do the same thing in two different places and get a completely different reaction. Um, yeah, man, you truly it's truly an on the fly thing. Like. Yeah, and like there, I knew okay, I'm opening for Anderson Pack. I want to like set that cool vibe. He's musical. These people are into it, but it's still Vegas, and you know, I just had to really think about what I was doing. It's like you want to please the crowd, but you got to educate too a little bit. Yeah, and like I like playing a lot of like re-edits, remixes, or or you know scratching a lot and like stuff like that. Um, I mean, I wanted to be like DJ Cuber or something too when I was coming up, and then I was like, all right, I might not reach that level, but at least I could do what I do. You know, that's what I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. no, I was watching the Cubert stuff. That's what it was. I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think Same. It. I would watch <laughs> these videos. It, that was what I was watching. Was Cubert shortcut all those guys yeah. and then this like dj swamp like whatever those battles were i would watch those and um the executioners rob swift and uh all the, you know all that that was like the videotapes i had um but after a while I, I realized i wanted to get better at the djing part of it you know what i mean to be able to rock the crowd and i remember being in college and getting asked to dj an 80s party and i was like i don't own one 80s record and i had to go down to where the record store was and like pick out all I could afford at the time. Oh my you know? God. On the vinyl? <laughs> yeah. And then oh. and then I went in like, okay, this is all I got, this little stack. And then I did it. So you it. have like 10 songs and you just got to make them yeah. work. Yeah. And then like girls were dancing and I'm like, this is great. I, I'm I'm used to just like scratching over mob deep beats, like, and then <laughs> all dudes, you know, like smoking the ah, joints. Yeah. Scratching yeah. the ah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I learned, you know, you learn as you go. Um, and, and you're really like, you talked about the Latin stuff, but you're super into dance hall reggae stuff too, right? Yeah. That's like outside of dance music. I think that's my favorite stuff to just listen to in the spare, my spare time. Nice. Like old. I've been new. listening to it. Yeah. Old stuff, new stuff. I try oh. to keep up. I, lately I've been on like a crate digging towards the older side of things. Yeah. Like I was listening to all the old Toots and Maytal stuff yeah, on so all the old albums, like not just the hits, like everyone knows like the hits and stuff, but like what else was on the album that I missed. Right. And then I found a couple of cool songs that I ended up flipping one into a house song and I'm in the process right now of clearing the sample. And it's, so it's like a, it's like a house tech house flip of That's dope. Cause uh, the two, uh, on the, a lot of those old, uh, the old ska and rock steady stuff, the tempos are different. It's yeah. not the traditional like halftime. It has more of a four on the floor feel to it on a lot yeah. of those records. Right. So they're just, and some of the bass lines, and it's just perfect for, it's just begging for a house flip. Yeah, they're like ready to go. There's that Pitbull song that's really big. It's and they took TGR a produced it. Oh, that one? TGR yeah. produced it. It's called I, a... I remember um, the original. I used to play the original before yeah, Pitbull took yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Y'all having a good time. Yeah. And they put the Moody Man uh, yeah. little sample. Dude, TGR killed that, man. He was... So good. He's just like a music encyclopedia. He knows like old stuff of all yeah. sorts. Because I heard that. I'm like, damn, they but see, up. But see how well that worked because yep. it was th of that same era. So I was not even trying to, I didn't even have a plan to do that. And it came on in the car. I was listening to an old album and like the song came on. I was like, dude, I have to house flip this. And I look, it was like Toots and Maytals. And I looked at the name of the song. I was like, I never even heard this song before. Yeah. And then I went home and boom, I'm like, dude, I think that's going to be one of my bigger singles this summer. That's great. Is, yeah, so is it out yet? No. no. I'm Okay. I have the song replayed because I had to replay the whole band. And now I got, um, I think I got a vocalist for it and oh, we're trying to figure out how to reinvent the vocals with like, you know, just some like, just like some different modern takes on it, but uh -huh. it's just like a straight house flip of, of that. And it's just fun. It's just a fun, it's in a major key too. Oh wow. So it's like, uh, I replayed the guitar. I replayed the, the reggae skanks and everything. That was fun to do. That's tight. And um, so you play guitar. I can play, I can play my way around basic things. You yeah. know, it's like, if I have to figure out how to play something, I'll figure it out and record it. Right. So that's the, that's the beauty yeah. of like Ableton or Pro Tools or whatever. You can just keep yeah. 
recording in, get I just, the good one. I wanted to it. get to a place where I could just make basic progressions and sessions. So like I can yeah. play any minor and major chord so I can figure it out if I sit there long enough. Yeah. Did you figure it out all the way or did you take lessons? No, I just all self-taught, man. Dope. Just like college. Yeah. It's like I feel like everyone picks up an acoustic guitar at some point in college. And yeah. it's like, all right, I did it. Right. And then I kind of just really enjoyed playing guitar. And then um, I kind of ca- carried on to like YouTube. Right. Like watching YouTube stuff. Yeah. And like in that. And then lately I was trying to hone like how to properly play reggae stuff. And I mean, dude, playing reggae guitar, everybody thinks it's just this this basic just like offbeat skank thing. And yeah. it, I was talking to um, uh, Kaleo from the band Pepper, from the reggae band Pepper yeah. here. And he was just explaining to me like the science behind how to play the reggae skanks properly. He's like, dude, the traditional way to play it, it's very muted. It's very percussive. You have to hit the strings at the right time. It's like, it's its whole nother science. And everyone just thinks it's just like, oh, it's just an offbeat strum. But right. It's like so much more than that. So much To play more. it correctly. Yeah. So I you got to be in that perfect pocket between the bass and the drums. Dude, and exactly. Stuff too, right? Exactly. Like if you're off, it just sounds whack, you know, but you have to get that perfect one to make that makes people dance. Yeah. In a way, you know? It's very muted and very percussive and you just can't hit the chords all the way. And just yeah. learning how to hit it when your fingers are coming off is like, and then like bass, I, I bought a bass guitar and I was like trying to learn how to play a bass, but I was like, Hey, let me just figure out guitar before I move on to the bass. Right. But I had a bass just to play basic, like bass lines. And then I started wanting to learn how to play like the classic, like reggae, um, bubbling organ. It's uh-huh. called the bubbling organ. Oh yeah. And they, they play it on like two hands. It's like, do that, do, do that. Oh, right. Do. And there's like, like a, off, like, yeah, there's a certain rhythm you play with that. So I kind of been diving back into the classic techniques that they oh. use on those and trying to figure out how I can replay that stuff in like modern dance music and stuff. That's so cool. That's kind of where I'm at with my productions. But like, again, to make that stuff translate into a modern song with that modern energy is it's a, it's a whole nother struggle. Right. So the, you just came out with a remix of, um, sister Nancy. Yeah. Bomb bomb. But did you replay, like you just said, you were going to redo the vocals. Did you get someone to, did she do, redo the vocals or you just, I mean, this is a remix. So what I did was I actually took those from a different remix, a drum and bass guy did a version of that. Okay. So I took out, I clipped out part of his, Oh. Remix that he did, and then I layered, uh, and then I t- sampled the original Sister Nancy Bomb Bomb, and then I took parts out of that, and then I made this Frankenstein out of them. Oh, okay. Because I then, was wondering, I kept analyzing it. I was listening. It's back, not the if you listen. And I'm like, that's not her. It's not her on the original. Nope. No, but, it's not. Okay. And I, it's pitched differently too. So yeah. that's what you're hearing as well too. So I pitched it maybe, I forget, up or down two semitones at least. I think it's in. It's, I B? think, higher. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I definitely had to pitch it, like, up or down two semitones and, and uh, to make the bass in a better range. Right. But, um, yeah, that's like a Frankenstein. So, oh, that's interesting. Pieces like, of a remix and then pieces of the original. And yeah. And I just was, like, trying to make the best possible right. thing that would work. And you used, like, the classic dance hall drums, but with more banging type yeah. new ones. And then you chopped her for the drop and stuff. Yeah. I mean, dude, there's a whole subgenre of stuff like that that has that baseline that moves within just whatever you want to call that genre. Like, I mean, let's just call it global bass to just encompass all of that stuff. Right. Like stuff that could be hundred BPM, hundred eight, like whatever, just in that mid range BPM. Yeah. It's kind of like Moombatone, I guess it would, it would fit under maybe, but yeah, but there's just so many, some, a lot of producers making really dope stuff in that kind of style in that, in that tempo range too, that are like, the, the producers in dance music don't even know them. 
Right. Uh, like a lot of the mainstream producers in dance music wouldn't even know who these kids are. And there's yeah. just so much sick music out there so in that much. range. Yeah, it's true. That's dope. Yeah, I love that one. I play it all the time. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like a lot of the drum and bass, like I said, I was in a drum and bass. I mean, they used to use all the reggae dance hall oh, vocals and put it over. That was what got me into it. I was like, what is this? Like sped up hip hop with dance hall on it. I love this. I did a deep you know? dive in the jungle the last like probably two years. Yeah. I've been really diving back because it's like, that's something I missed. Yeah. It's like, it was before my time. It was before, right. like, you know, I grew up in Florida. I'm not listening to drum and bass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, like we had it here pretty big. Scene. And then I discovered jungle and I was like, oh my God. Well, that's what made you like are like a super updated version of that in a way. Like, because how much I used to love Jungle, like you do that too. Like, they would be different tempos within that thing and they would use all these old school dance hall things. And I mean, I, I, um, I'll, I'll send you some stuff. I have like crates and crates of records. Yeah, if you have any cool, like, like just like oh my jungle God. stuff, like I have ones that might either inspire you or even you can just sample like little things like listening to the way they, they did certain things, like listening to some of the vocals, listening yep. to the effects, listen to put it this way. If you just were going to just strip down a bunch of dancehall and reggae records, there's a very specific sound and styles of those that can work. I think in, in, in dance music production. Yeah. And it's really hard to make some of the stuff work. But it's like if you go back in the jungle stuff, it's like new inspiration to how they flip those reggae samples. Right. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And it was like 30 years ago or 20 years ago or something. You know, Dude, it's so cool. So it's like, like you said, people don't even know what it is. Even people like you that are doing this stuff um, have to go back and research it. So, yeah, there's this label, um, Congo Natty. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, okay. Amazing. I listen, like, dude, I'd listen to some stuff. I used to stuff. go, like, I went to Europe and just bought as many white labels. Like, they would just be, no they'd way. have no labels, and I would just sit in the stores, I'd listen through, and I found, I think I have probably everyone, like, every Congo really? Natty white label ever need, made. Dude, there's probably some dope stuff on there to sample. Crazy. Like, I was cool. going back, like I said, I was recording stuff in my Serato for sampling. We were talking about how to yeah, sample yeah, yeah. records. And I was going through and I'm like, oh, this would be insane if someone flipped this now because I heard it so differently 20 years There's ago. There's so much new inspiration when you just start, stop getting out of whatever genre you're doing yeah. and you just go listen to a new genre. Like I was listening, been listening to drum and bass now for the past two years. Yeah. And I, before Pendulum, I really didn't know shit about drum and bass. Right. I, I maybe knew Pendulum and Sub Focus. Yeah. And when I got into dance music and that was really it. Yeah. And then I slowly started and now I'm like, okay, I went back in jungle and I'm right. listening to all and these you know, old what's crazy. A lot of it is not digital. Like it's not online. Like these records I have, I'm going through and I can't find them. Dude, on a Spotify. lot of them are just mysterious. Like no yeah. one's going to have these. It's just like some yeah. dude made like a few hundred and just sold them out of his trunk or something. You know what I mean? And, it's like, and you can find it on that site, like Discogs or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah. But some of them, I just literally, it's just a black record with a white, thing and i don't even know what the hell it is and i just know it by the he hearing it you know? yeah it's crazy it's sad i feel like that's kind of crate digging deep diving thing is also kind of being lost a little bit um, the modern i feel like the modern dance music dj would not necessarily right care about maybe we're just old this <laughs> is what old people like to do <laughs> maybe no old djs like to do <laughs> well i think it's but it's also just the evolution of technology yeah, yeah, and how stuff absolutely. goes because i think i mean you know beat source uh yeah. <laughs> plug right there i mean i think that DJ City was very good at putting people onto the new things and having the edits. But with BeatSource, people can go back. Young yeah. people, old people can go back. And oh, see all what's the, old the stuff. Afrobeat stuff? Oh, this yeah. old stuff, this new stuff that's connected. You know, the samples. Um, so, you know, I think it's just going to take 
technology to keep evolving for people to be able to hear yeah. the old and the new it, stuff. It, you it's know? cool though. You just have to like with these new things come, you just embrace it and you just utilize it. And it's yeah. like, you know, it's super, it keeps it exciting. Yeah, totally. That's so dope. Um, and like I said before, the jump up your song uh, hit the top ten on Beat Source, which is, is really yeah. Dope. They emailed me the other day. I was like, oh fire! I know. <laughs> how did you know that? It's so dope. I was like, how did that get on there? <laughs> right, because a lot of the stuff on there is just very top, not top forty, but just mainstream. Yeah, it's like not, a lot of hip hop, not and stuff. You know, and Beatport is like the other site, so that's where probably a lot of that stuff would live. But um, yeah, people love it. I mean. You know, I told people you were coming on the podcast, like in my kind of world, and they were like, "Oh shit, that's crazy!" You oh, know, so, so a lot of people support so, you man. and like your stuff. You know, it really. I can play like I was telling you earlier. I play that Ventura song. Uh, it's like a you know Latin. See that all the open format DJs play that, and right. nobody in dance music has ever played. It. I think that's the only person Dylan to even Francis. write me back. <laughs> Dylan wrote me back about it. And he's like, say, "Yo, that's his style." He's like, "He's like, I'm gonna play this." I was like tight, and that was it. And I don't think anyone else played it. But then I see like my boy um, Nova. He's a open format DJ. Yeah, I know. You know know Nova? Yeah. Oh, dude, he's like I've been friends with him from um, my hometown for a long time. Oh, dope! I play a ton of his edits. He's really yeah, and he like edited it, and he made like a super sick edit with it. And I was like, what? Oh, I need that. Yeah, it it has like another famous um, Latin song in it. Oh, okay. uh, Famous cumbia song in it. Oh, tight! That's so cool. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to see you guys play that stuff. That you know, yeah. We just want to play. I mean, and that's like our challenge as these kind of DJs to try to, like we said before, play stuff we like, but also make the crowd dance yeah. and, and find a way to mix it all together. And I mean, I'll mix, you know, some of Dylan Francis' old remixes, you know, of like Halsey or something, you know, that he did like 12, 10 years ago or eight yeah. years ago, you know, but it works like in those clubs as long you just have to, I don't know, know your music, I guess. Um, that's cool. So, um, and you also are like very passionate about surfing, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's guess like I'm, your life. I'm actually probably, I'm trying to think which one I'm more nerdier at, like finding music and like production stuff or surfing. <laughs> I'm like surfing. I think I take it to a whole new level right. of, of craziness. Do you like get I've, to utilize like your touring schedule to connect it with your surfing? That is difficult because not a lot of cities fall next to a really dope beach for surfing. Yeah, true. And the stars have to align with like swells and stuff, but I do play like Bali quite a bit. I'll probably play Bali like twice a year. Amazing. And that's just like the Mecca, one of the surfing Meccas. Do you pad it with like extra days? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like like my agents and uh, managers know now it's like, yo, goes to bali just like yeah leaving there for a couple of days right because I mean, if it, and also if i'm touring asia like just say i'm playing thailand i'll be playing like vietnam i'll be playing wherever else or china it's like if you stay in china for five days and sometimes you you know just say you have a month-long tour you might have four days off right yeah. five days off in the middle of there somewhere uh-huh. and if you spend five days off in like japan or china you're gonna be spending like a shit ton of money oh yes so it's cheaper to fly to bali sit in bali and for four days yeah and then fly back than it is to stay in those cities for five years. Cause it's like a hotel would be two hundred $150, $200 a night in right. say China. And just food. And if go, you fly to things. Bali, Bali, you can get a hotel for $40 a night. Oh wow. And the food is way cheaper. So you end up spending way less money. That's I, can, so I can hire a surf guide that will take me surfing for $20 a day. Wow. My food it ends up being $4 a meal. Your hotel's $40 a night. Yeah. And dude, that's, that's so Bali. Dope. <laughs> Do you ever like, uh, have you had a shark encounter? <laughs> um, not since I moved to LA, but where I grew up in Florida, it's 
infamous for sharks. Right. Have you ever seen like uh, the news shit where the helicopters are flying over and you and see you all those sharks see in the water? Yeah. Do you know where that is? That's where you. That's Palm Beach, Florida. Oh wow. Palm. It's anywhere from uh, the Treasure Coast of Florida down to South Florida. Yeah. And it's they have these sharks. It's called um, black tip and spinner sharks, uh-huh. and they do this annual migration up the coast. And wow. it happens in um, fall and spring a little bit, but mainly in, um, I would say, from January to April, it's gnarly, man. You better watch out. Wow. So how do you even, I mean. So they move in these giant pods and they just kind of migrate with the bait fish and they go up and down the coast. And then, so when you're seeing those, you're not seeing a pack of killer sharks on the hunt. You're seeing a pack of sharks migrating from north to south or south to north. So it's less to worry about. Yeah, it's. The, I mean, obviously they got to eat and stuff, and they're chasing shit around. But yeah, like, you, you don't see have to your worry. leg dangling. So as a surfer, every year the shark migration comes. It kind of coincides with the waves are good too. Oh wow! But you're just, you know, you just look down and they're swimming under you, and it becomes like an aquarium kind of. Right. You don't really stress because they're like black tips. They're not like it's not like I'm swimming a with a bunch white. of. It's not like I'm swimming with a bunch of gray whites. Yeah. It's just like oh, I'm a surfer and I'm choosing to go in the ocean and this is their right. land, but mm, there's very little attacks. Although I would say. Out of all my surfing friends, I can name quite a few people that have been attacked. Really? Yeah, I probably have like, I I've, I'm friends with two brothers uh-huh. um, that I was on the surfing team with uh, in college, and they both got attacked. What? Like how? What are the odds of that? Le- yeah, that's insane. But see, these little sharks, it's like it happens when the water's um, like dirty and they can't see, and they yeah. they see a foot dangling, and it's like they just bite because they think it's they don't something. Know what it is? And yeah. then they let go, and they go on, and you go to the hospital, and you get a couple of stitches, and. And then you have a cool story. Yeah, exactly. And then you have a, <laughs> what do they call it? They call it the um, the something tattoo. I forget. Uh, it's like you end up with a cool little right. little shark bite yeah, tattoo. Yeah, you got your little... But bit. then I had one friend, man, he caught the, oh, fuck, I feel bad for him. He he got his arm just completely mangled by a big bull shark. Holy He's shit. still surfing to this day, and he finally got the feeling back in his arm, yeah. in his hand. Like, he couldn't move it like this for a while. Oh, my God. But he was just sitting there, and this bull shark came up to him in New Smyrna Beach, which is another notorious place in uh, Florida for shark attacks. That I think that's actually the shark attack capital of the whole world. But the thing is, nobody dies, and they're not fatal there. Right. They just You just get fucked up a little bit and have to go to get stitches. That's but I have crazy. a friend, man, if you saw this picture, his arm just looks like a piece of meat that's just been shredded open, and he's just this massive oh my God. hole, bro. He had some serious physical therapy to do. Yeah, I'm sure. He went to the hospital, man. That's it awful. was bad. That's crazy. But Oh, my God. That's, uh, I know it's kind of one of the only sports yeah. where you have to worry about an insane animal with sharp teeth biting off your limbs. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of places that are way worse, like Western Australia. Yeah. If you go surfing in Western Australia by yourself, dude, I'd be terrified. Good oh luck. Oh my God. Uh, Reunion Island in the, in, um, the South, in, um, in Indian Ocean, they close the beaches down and they don't even let you surf because there's too many fatal attacks. That's insane. South Africa, Cape Town, notorious Sharky Beach. Wow. Northern California, fuck that. Yeah. Anything past San Francisco, it's in like the red triangle, they call it. It's like right. pretty gnarly. That's insane. I would not be surfing by myself. Oh my God. Yeah, I heard like Seth Rogen, someone was asking him, oh, do you go surfing or snowboarding? And he was like, I'm not going to do something where I have to worry. He's like in the snow. You don't have like a crazy animal jumping out and biting your leg off. The crazy thing is the injury rate though. So surfing is actually has the lowest injuries out of basically, I've heard some statistics a while ago. I don't yeah. know how updated this is now, but like it has the least amount of injuries. Oh, that's out cool. Out of basketball, football, baseball, all that yeah. shit. Surfing is on the very, and I will say it for myself, I've been surfing now for like 15 years, maybe longer. 
and I've been injured pretty few times. Yeah, snowboarding and skate. Snowbo- uh, dude, snowboarding people, you just hit a tree and you're dead. Exactly, you're dead, or you're like, yo, I just broke my collarbone. I'll be back. How in many six people br- twist, break their everyone, ACL, twist their ACLs and shit? I broke my rib last time snowboarding, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, so I'm gonna convert <laughs> you to surfing now. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm down. I mean, I grew up by the ocean my whole life, like in Santa Monica. Oh, really? That's I used dope. to go to this camp and like try to learn it, but. I just, it was like scratching, like for you, like I was like, I can't do this. Like it wasn't working for me. Surfing is super frustrating. It's the same I know. thing as music. I'm going to try again. I'm going to Kauai in uh, Ooh, March and April. There's tiger sharks there. Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to go in a small little area. I know, just kidding. <laughs> now I'm actually not going. That's you what, just, you know that. <laughs> you ruined it. You know that famous surfer, Bethany Hamilton, that got her yeah, arm bit off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got attacked, it got bitten off from a, a tiger shark in Kauai. In Kauai? On the North Shore of Kauai. Oh my God. I did, I did this gig <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, like in the Bahamas. It was like what? on a private island it was the craziest thing ever That's like dope. it was super rich people like rented an island don't you just love those kind of weird gigs <laughs> oh my god i love it i mean yeah. this i'll never forget what happened within this three days on this private island but one of the things they were like yo there's free jet skis everywhere anything you want and you jump on it and the guy's like yeah cool just don't go over there there's like a ton of sharks and i'm like what <laughs> like, okay i'm gonna stay in this area you know but like that's uh the ocean fascinates me because it's just so like oh it's crazy that's such an endless mysterious thing and like as a surfer you have to learn how to the tides the winds the water temperature the seasons the swell direction right and to actually forecast like what spots are going to be good and where the waves are gonna be good and when they're gonna be good and everything, yeah. it's it's a fucking sign. It's a literal me- like every surfer is a meteorologist basically, right? And you're studying the weather. So like over this course of this thing, I've wow. been really I enjoy like being really in tune with the weather and like trying to find the best yeah. waves, whether it be here or in Central America. And people or, surf everywhere. Like I've been to Lake Tahoe and see people surfing. I'm like, yo, that's nice. oh, like wave surfing. I guess or no, they're like surfing there somehow, or like it's what? it was cold. I don't know. I thought I was, maybe I'm tripping, but maybe uh, oh maybe it's like stand up paddleboarding. I don't know something, but I mean it's not like in Hawaii, you know that type yeah. of thing. But um, I was touring touring world surfing before I was touring. Oh really? <laughs> Just for fun, but like I yeah. was traveling for surfing before I was even playing music. That's dope. Yeah, you did it. you did some kind of combo tour, right? Where people could surf with you and uh, then yeah. go to your show. I tried, man. We tried to pull it off and it was so hard because the fucking the old school V dub bus kept breaking. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> so it broke like two or three times. Uh but uh, but it was good idea. Yeah. No, it was dude, it was super fun. Like me and my boy Jinko did that and we just That's dope. The concept we're just like, dude, this is what we do on an average day anyways. Exactly. It's a How great do we concept. just do this with DJing now. Right. You know? Yeah, totally. That's dope. Um, and um, you have a, you have a podcast and a record label and mm-hmm. stuff, right? And it's both called Bonsai. Yeah, Bonsai. Bonsai podcast and record label. Um, what, do you release your own stuff on your label? Or Yeah, that's kind of what it's actually turned into lately. I had like, when it first started, I had a big vision to do like break break really cool club records like stuff you found or yeah it's like not artists. like a lot of record labels they get to the point where they start growing and they only worry about radio songs and stuff uh-huh. and i was like i just want to keep it all club right like crazy club shit and the coolest stuff i can find that you know i get sent so much music all the time and so many of these kids have no no home for it yeah so that kind of inspired me and then we broke some pretty big records like uh 2014 15 16 and then the focus went off that to more like 
how I'm going to evolve my stuff. Right. And I got pretty caught up with evolving my stuff. I think the label took a backseat and then the label kind of turned into just my outlet to self-release stuff. Yeah. On whenever the, I didn't have the right label or right. So, if I made something that was too weird and the labels didn't want it, I put it on there. Yeah. You're like, I have the platform. Yeah. Now I have a platform, but eventually I want to kind of grow it back into a point where I can start taste making club music again. Right. With it. And just like, I still have, I still get demos for it. I haven't really put out much music. I put out like yeah. maybe two songs a year now. Wow. Whenever I have a really dope record, I'll just be like, all right, let's put it out. Yeah. But it's not really a consistent thing. I want right. to get it to a point where it's every month. Yeah. Start, starting up again. Well, you have like a playlist that has a ton of followers on Spotify. Yeah. Right? I mean the, that I try to like, just do the same thing. But I know that's like, not, that has to be released and already yeah. out. So you can't really go, yo, there's some new song yeah. and give it exposure. I guess on your podcast, you kind of can. Right. But, but you're also trying to promote your own stuff on yeah. there. But the cool thing about just having just your own, you know, mixture or whatever you want to yeah. call it, it's just like, yo, I can just play all this weird stuff that yeah. I can't even play half the shit of my sets. I know. It's just the shit I like. Exactly. And just like, yeah, share that with like their fans and people that will relate to it and stuff. Yeah. Dance music, it's like right now it's at a weird time where at one point I think it was every, it was very just like, Everybody was on the same team, sort of thing, and yeah. then now it's like broken down into all their little subgenres. Yeah, and everybody's very kind of in their little clicks with certain right. genres. I think now. Yeah. So now it's I think it's harder than ever to kind of come out with a new lane and just do your own thing. Right. But for me, my po my podcast is like okay, if I, even if I do it once a month, it's like that's time I can chuck ten songs on there that I just love, and it's just. Yeah, I mean, even the last episode, you put on so much different stuff. It was like from your sister Nancy, and then went up to the up. Oh, I don't remember. It was dope. I'm I, glad you liked it. Dude. I listened to it. I mean, you had like all kinds of crazy shit on there, you know. But it went with your sound, yeah, um, which was cool. But it's like that sound is not necessarily the sound I would play. Everywhere. I could not even would play. It was like could get away with at a just say I was headlining a festival or something. Yeah. You know, it'd be totally different. Yeah, totally. Um, nice. And, um, and you, and also, um, I'm a dad. I have a seven year old. You said you have a kid too, right? Yeah. Five, five year old. Son. Does he surf too? Or has he got into that? I think I tried to pull the trigger too early on that. And he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't really, still young. I mean, I mean, it's just really overwhelming. They like pull up to the beach and they're like, see the waves. And like, my oh, kid was scared of the ocean. Ter like, it's terrifying. Like a year ago or something. Oh, really? Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. I remember we would, cause we go to Hawaii a lot and he like, well, we watched that last dinosaur movie. And he was like, <laughs> the dad dies. And I was in like the water. Oh and, and no. He was like, he's like, you can't go in. And then that just ruined everything. I was like, oh. all right, we, we couldn't even go near the beach. I was like, yo, why are we here? That is off my <laughs> watch list. Don't Watch we are that. not watching that. I was like, why is this in here? Like, the rest my of the whole, movie is good. See, my whole plan is this. Well, if I can get him to go surfing, then he can go surfing with me. And yeah. then my wife will say, you guys go have fun. Get out of the house while I do whatever. Yeah. And then we can just leave him go surfing all day together. The best. But if he likes surfing. Yeah. So I got to get him to like surfing. No. <laughs> he's going to like it. No, he's he's really intrigued with it. And, you know, I was just watching on the TV and he'll ask me questions about it and he's curious. Yeah. I mean, and they we'll, have to, the ocean's intimidating. He's been on like, a surfboard and I have him. I uh, push cool. them before amazing on it, but just like not on like super big waves and not doing it properly yet. But yeah, we'll get there. What about like music and DJing or production? Is, is he interested in that? Or I know five's young. So. I think he knows that it's not normal and he's at an age where he's aware that like not everyone's dad does this yes. and flies on a plane and uh -huh. does music and yeah, stuff. Me, me too. Like the teachers will be like, your son said that you're DJ Khaled. I'm like, no, I think he was trying to describe my job or something, you know, like, yeah. And, and same, like, he's like, you do this and that, you know, it's like weird. He calls it DJ show. So he goes, yeah, my daddy does DJ show. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So he knows 
I've put it on YouTube. I mean, YouTube is like the craziest learning tool for anything now. Yeah, I know. Like kids to adults, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah. you can, so I'll put like a festival on there and I'll show him like, this is what a DJ does. I've shown right. that before. So now he has a concept of it. And then he see, hears me downstairs just like playing with noises all, all day. <laughs> right. You know, when he's home and it's yeah. like, he knows, has an idea of what I do. Yeah. But he doesn't really have an interest in it. Right. Like he wants to come up and smash the, smash the buttons for yeah. like two minutes and then he's gone. <laughs> but like you said, you didn't know, you didn't want to mess with yeah. stuff until you're 13. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was probably true. like 16 or 17 before I was like, I want to mess with this stuff, you know? So yeah. I think it takes time. They um, have a short attention span for like, imagine yeah. sitting down at piano lessons. Oh yeah. Like they... I don't think that'd be happening yet. No, I try to teach him to DJ too, and he just wants to hit all the buttons. There's too many <laughs> buttons. I'm like, we need to just have, go on the basic level here, <laughs> you know. But that's cool. It's hard balancing the family life and the touring and everything, yeah. right? And trying to that's make a, sure you're like, like you said, working on music eight hours a day, and but then going to school and meet. And it's funny meeting the other parents, right? Like, yeah, I'm like super involved. Like, I if I'm home, I, yeah. I'm on duty, man. I'm yeah, like, me too. I drop off my kid at school. I pick him up yeah. from school. Great. I do shit all the time and it's like, yeah, it is weird sometimes. It's like you have to infiltrate back into like a new environment. Yeah. It's like you're in a club environment and you're in, in this whole new world. And then all of a sudden, like you're in the studio with all these crazy people. And then you wake up the next day and you're at a parent teacher conference at school. For it's crazy. Picking your kid up and you're just talking to other parents. And it's like, what do you do? And you're like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a music producer. I say I usually just say I'm a music yeah, producer. I, I don't know. say I'll be like I'm in music. <laughs> like yeah. I don't even wanna I don't even say I'm a touring DJ and I do XYZ until they I know they ask, but but yeah, it's just it's yo, know, props to DJ dads, dude, because DJ dads, yeah. That, or music dads all in general. Dads, you know, yeah, all dads. But but yeah, DJ dad. It's it's hard. I mean, people ask me all the time, how do you do it? How do you do it? I'm like, I don't know, even know what I'm doing. Bro, you, know? you have to watch this documentary. I saw it the other day and it was um it was about it's a it's about punk it's about these punk bands so like Pennywise and stuff. Oh yeah, I love. Pennywise. And it's called like uh, I was playing that on the Blink tour. I would fuck uh, yeah. I would use it at the end of my set. That's actually like that era of music is a big inspiration for me. Oh me too. One way or love another. It. Yeah. Like that and OG Sublime and stuff. Yep. Um, but it's about like the guys from that era and these punk bands and how they're growing into their lives now, and the whole thing is like, dude, these guys they still have to go on tour. Like Pennywise still tours. Like how else are these guys going to make the bulk of their income? Yeah. They have to play shows. Yeah. They have to be looking young. And these guys are now in their forties and fifties and they're on like playing in hardcore, like have to give full on performances. Like it's different. We're DJs. It's a little more relaxed. I know. Imagine you're the lead singer of a punk band that started a crazy movement back in yeah, the day. Yeah. It's crazy. And you have to keep that energy. But I mean, some of them do it. I, I got to play a show with Pennywise like two years ago. Oh, no South way. South. Yeah, I opened for Dude, them. It was Jimmy Eat World, Pennywise, what? and me. And I was like, okay, what do I do here? So now now that you know him and you played with him, go watch this documentary. And it shows, it shows his behind-the-scenes life at home yeah. and how he's you know raising his family but then has, still has to go out on tour. Right. And he said... Uh, what's the lead singer's name again from Pennywise? You know what? I don't know. <sighs> I, I sound like a fake fan, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't even think of it. It's like I'm a fan too. I can't even remember his name. I know, but like, um, he said like you know finding that family, um, music balance. Yeah, is just his entire life is trying to figure that out. Right, and that's my really entire difficult. life too. Because people are always like, "Yo, you seem to have it figured out," or you know this. And I'm like. Everything changes. Plus, as your kid gets old, when my kid was five, it was way different than, than he's seven. You know, really? How so? 
I mean, he's just a different human being. Like yeah. five years old, you're like a little kid and you're like still, he's still very innocent and sweet and nice, but he's seven. You know what I mean? So he says like, bruh, you know, like he's like oh. a different, like, <laughs> and he just knows things. He gets subtleties of things. He gets, he has a different sense of humor. He understands. He, can, he hears music different. He makes these playlists on Spotify. You know, it's like they just exponentially seven. Like, grow. He makes yeah, he, well, I think also I'm into music, but like oh, okay. his birthday, we had a his birthday party was at an indoor soccer place. And just be like, what music do you want to hear? And he was like, I want to make the playlist. And I was like, all right. So we just sat there and he's like, he put uh, Operation Ivy and all this stuff on there, like old punk. And then he put new, you know, he puts everything, songs he heard in soccer things. That's cool, man. Old Town Road. I mean, it was literally a mix of like songs about breakfast burritos and like dope <laughs> stuff that I like. Yeah. But dude, like watching that documentary, I was like getting anxiety. Like, what am I gonna do? I know. It's when crazy. I'm like fifty or fifty-five well, in like music. I mean, you just <laughs> keep doing it, dude. Like, I went, I went on tour with Blink One Eighty Two. Like I was telling yeah. you, and um, Travis Barker. Um, shout out to Travis. He's my dude. Yeah. Um, he's pro- you know one of the main reasons I went on the tour. And he um, has two kids, and um, or takes care of you know pretty much three kids. But he. He, they were on the tour the whole time. Oh, that's cool. You know, he's the best dad ever. Like you, I, know who, you know who told you know. me that too? They bring the kid on tour is um, Dada Life. Oh, really? So Dada Life said they got their own separate tour buses one year and they they brought their family on tour. That's great. I was like, dude, shout out to you guys. And they have that's endless dope. bananas to give their yeah. kids. So, so. <laughs> but that's cool. He brings, like, Travis like, brings his like, family on yeah, tour. Yeah, he like, has his own. I mean, he doesn't fly, you know, ever since they got in a plane crash oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So he's not, he doesn't fly. but So he has his own bus, which is that's the life. really dope. Um, I think it becomes, uh, as you climb the ladder, it probably becomes a lot easier to, to yes. get things done. Like well, that. exactly. I'm like trying to FaceTime my kid at home and then I'm with, you know, you're with his kids. But, but I think it just, it definitely taught me like, what you know how to keep advancing as a dad but still keep staying true to what you want to do you know what i mean and dude absolutely and, and i think you teach your kid i mean not to go super on dad thing sorry for all the non parents but like <laughs> uh you teach your kid like yo you could do whatever you want like watch this you know what i mean like yeah that's another thing my like you, because like you kind of took alternative paths it's like your eyes yeah. are open now it's like i would never tell my kid now that he can't do a certain thing exactly you know it's like yeah that to get to step to this step where you're able to do music for a living yeah. in general is just it's super difficult. Right. Not only it, it, like, I think the initial thing of it is just like not getting your dreams shattered. Yeah. And this goes for anyone. Like it's like, you have to be able to cross that bridge and just like risk it and not get your dreams shattered by somebody else. Right. And then still keep doing it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm aware of that now and I will make sure to never to try to do that. Yeah, you know? totally. Exactly. And it's all a learning experience. What can you do? You know, like yeah. nobody's perfect, dude. At least you're trying. Like yeah. a lot of people are just like, peace out, kid. You know, so. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, that's, that's a big thing. Um, all right. Well, enough about the family life. <laughs> We're going to probably go back to our kids after this. But um, uh, we can get out of here pretty soon. I just want to know, like I saw on your Instagram, you posted that you have a lot of unreleased 2020 collabs and all these things coming out. Like, um, can you talk about any of that? Or do you have a new song you want to talk about? That's yeah, I mean, out? I just was like my thing. I can't, I, like, well, actually, what happened is it was like I had all these songs done with a yeah. bunch of my friends. And right. then they're just kind of like 
the process of getting music like actually signed and released and coming out and a release date in this. Yeah. It can be very, it's like a puzzle to solve sometimes. Right. So I've been in like the middle of that puzzle, like figuring out like, okay, what labels is coming out? When's this coming out? Yeah. Is this part, the person I made it with is like, are they cool? Can it fit their schedule? Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just, here's two videos and here's like a bunch of songs that are coming out. Right. I don't care if I'm allowed to do this or not. Yeah. Just like, I hope you guys like it. And well, also what if you get some crazy buzz off of it and then you're like, that's the one. We yeah. I think release. it helps. Like I put uh, the first video did pretty well and I posted it out and everyone liked it. I was like, Oh, that's yeah. cool. Dope. So, I mean, one of them is with, um, say my name. It's a collab with say my name. Oh, great. One of them is like a merengue hybrid, just like club. It's like Jersey club merengue. That sounds with, amazing. Uh, my buddy gesture. Oh yeah, he's yeah. so dope. Yeah, he's dope. He's here. hilarious too. Yeah, his videos. He's a he's a great dude, man. I love yeah, he that. He seems dude. like it. He's a really nice guy. And uh, me and him have that. That's probably gonna be the next one that's coming out. Oh. Then the one with say my name, and then I got one with GTA. Oh, they're amazing. Good times ahead now. Oh, they're the best. Um, they're, they're, they're very genreless too. <laughs> that's what, dude. That's what I. They they were a big inspiration to me to be more of a genreless and not. Yeah. Like you can still have your own sound by making everything as long as whatever you're touching is kind of sounding like you. Yep. And I think that's a cool, it, like they've, they've been the masters at that. Yeah. They're, so they're some of the most diverse producers and, it's but, crazy. You, but it just sounds like they just have a specific I know. swag about it. That just is them. Just that they put out some edit pack, like at the end of the year, a couple oh, weeks dude. ago. And it was like the end it's of like, GTA. Yo, I've been, it's like, I've been waiting for those songs for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now they sound old. Thanks a lot guys. No, but there, it was crazy. I was going, I went through every single one. I'm like, this is insane. They all have like common themes, but they're completely different, you know, and I have to figure out where I could play, if I could play some of them yeah. somewhere. You Bro, know. there's some heat in there. I love Crazy. some of that shit. I dropped, I was in Atlantic City this weekend. I played some of it in like just such a big room. It sounded so dope. We we went in the studio and we ended up sampling um the Max Romeo Chase the Devil. Oh, the best. And then we were there's like- There's an old Electro song. Okay, so then we were like, wait, there's the old Electro version. Yeah, so what we did I mean, was- so old. We sampled it and- we took, um, well, first we took the out of space hook, we and we yeah. made a house track with it. Yeah, and then um, they were like, "Well, what if we used the old rhythm, uh, the old melody from the? I think it's Klaus or someone, the electro version." Yeah, yeah, it is. It was like in the peak electro, whatever that melody was, and then we slapped that melody over it, and we're like, you know, this is a cool way to bring it back because it's like I can't describe the record. It's very like kind of global sounding house yeah yeah it's like it was one of the songs that got me into electro you know it was around like the bob sinclair oh time. bro that was like, peak time of electro blowing up in america right? like it was what was it called space oh micah moore or, no is that it no is that it uh i think it's class i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble oh dude see that melody i'm gonna send it to that's why when I heard this, I'm like, yo, this is from my world. But Dude, it's it like, changes tempos, I think. Listen. Yeah, because that part's slower. Yeah. It was before things were transitioning. That threw me off when we were fucking with it in the studio. Right, I'm sure. Like, And then it goes into that. Dude, it kind of knocks still. Yeah. It has like that old kick. Like, but dope. Like you could play that now that I feel like House and Electro kind of came back around a little bit. I know. <laughs> Remember those sounds, though? Yeah. Like, all um, that shit, yeah. I, I remember the first time I heard stuff like that, or like Fetty Legrand, put your hands up. Oh my story. god, all that. That's I what was got me like, into it. I was like, what oh is this? Oh my god. 
Yeah, I know. And I was like, I gotta find a way to mix this because uh, we were playing up tempo. Would be like Africa Bombada or like Missy Lose It or like you know th- th- those are the one twenty eight BPM, but it was still like a hip hop beat. You know, so do you think that was the some of the first style of dance music that you started incorporating in the early um, format sets? Well, house music, like the house electro type stuff. Yeah, because I remember it. It started to get big and. And they would ask for you know like Kid Cudi Crooker's remix. I mean that was I think yeah. the but turning point for like, a lot of. But but in a way, some of the stuff was cheesy, and then the Kid Cudi Crooker's was that raw dopeness, you know. Because I used to go to Banana Split every single oh, week, no matter I, what. I've heard so many stories about that, and so that's where we would hear that. I mean, AM and Aoki and Mike B, they would play those songs, and they were like. I mean, they would play everything, but they would play like the indie dance, the the electro that was like that, cool and different. That blend know? of styles of that era of like two years or three years or however long it lasted, that yeah. was by far my favorite era of of dance so music. So good, yeah. Because the music was the music was still very underground, and all the people going to the parties, it's like you were in the know, yes. and you kind of there was no rules with it. I I think, and it was like, yeah. and the style of like what the DJs were playing, like I remember just you'd walk into the rooms and everybody would be dancing. Yeah. But it wasn't like a jump up and down dance. It was just like a It was just party time. It was just like, party yeah. club energy. Yeah. And like I mean, with all these new sounds. Exactly. Cine like, Space Tuesday. Yeah. You know, and it was I mean justice, you know. That's like, just what my party was modeled after because we saw what everyone was doing on the, oh, the West Coast. Yeah. So we took that and we tried to throw it in our college town. That's great. So like we were like very like, oh my God, this movement is like so yeah. fun. Oh my God. I remember, I mean, so much stuff got sparked from that. Like B, I remember hearing be more music and I made, you know, I would take old hip hop songs like tried by 12 and I'd remix them into be more, you know, in Ableton. And, <laughs> um, I remember telling like red foo from, uh, LMFA, he would come all the time being like showing him what be more was and stuff. Do you remember you know? that? Um, I remember the open format DJs in my city. They started playing that, that, um, was that, LMFAO Love Lockdown Electro Remix. Yes, yes. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, I have it in my computer still. I Bro, play it all the time. that was, I first heard that, I was like, what is this fucking song? Yeah, they were killing it back then. <laughs> I know. That was, that was the one I would play, too, of, uh, of really? all their stuff. Like, well, because that song was hard to drop sometimes, you know, yeah. but yeah, that was like a good up-tempo one of it. That's so dope. Um, are there any people that, like... Well, I know we didn't even get into a bunch of stuff and we got to get out of here, but I know you produce for other like groups or bands and stuff or. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's like something a little bit new that I'm, I'm starting to explore. Like I've, I've like definitely tried taking wax at production for other like artists. Maybe yeah. a big label sends me something like, right. Yo, this is for such and such artist, pop artist. Like you want to give this a shot. I give it a shot. Sometimes uh, 99% of the time they say no, <laughs> but you know, that's a good lesson. So then to I, everybody then out I there was like, though. well, like, you know, what do I want to do? So I started reaching out to like some of these bands that inspired me. Like, you know, in Southern California, I've, I've been super inspired by like, like the sublime sound basically. Yeah. I don't know what to call the genre correctly, but it's just kind of like that reggae rock, that hybrid reggae right. rock American yeah. sound. Yeah. It's like who else kind of was in that space? 311, but 311 was a little more rock. Right back in the day, I was a little more on the reggae side. Yeah, like, but no, I started I mean, work- their own sound. I mean, I think there's newer bands like yeah. them, right? Like Cottonmouth Kings or whatever. But <laughs> but I think that like Sublime is its own thing. They yeah. had their own. They just started a, that sound. Just started such a big movement. Right. 
that is like uniquely American. It's punk. It's ska. Yeah. It's reggae, but it just has a different feeling. And it's to songwriting it. too. You yeah. know, like people resonate with the lyrics yeah. and the melodies. And so I like was like, what am I passionate about outside of dance music that I could just work on just to like fill my soul and yeah. just do things that I'm, you know, want to do. It's like, and it's work on stuff like that with these bands that have inspired me. That's dope. So like I did a new single with Sublime with Rome. Nice. That's hopefully coming out later this year. Still got to finish it. Um, we're in this Red Bull studios and we cut it and it was just like, man, working with like, it's Eric Wilson. Yeah. It was the original bassist. Right. And they um, have a new drummer named Silos. He's really dope. And then of course, Rome, the front man and, Man, Rome is so, um, he's such an all, all-encompassing all musician, man. He's so good. He's good at guitar. He's good at writing. Wow. He's good at production. That's dope. He loves to nerd out on, like, production gear and stuff, yeah. too. And it was just so cool to be in the studio with those guys, man. It was just, like, um, I was, That's, like, they were so down to just do whatever ideas that I had, too. Right. You know? That's They're so They're just, cool. like, yo, let's just make music. That's the best. Just, yeah, when you don't have to think so hard yeah yeah and i played them one beat and they're like that's tight let's roll it let's run it <laughs> fuck yeah that's great. so just working with bands like that and then i did oh. another one with a reggae band called common kings oh yeah in that same kind of world for sure that like southern california kind of reggae rock yeah pepper oh. pepper who else nice so yeah are there any groups like or people that you want to collab with that you haven't been able to yeah, I mean, dude, there's a bunch. I'm trying to think, like, who else. Like, I would love to work with, like, someone, like, Slightly Stupid or something. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, like, a little more kind of, like, dubbed out, like, uh, more chill reggae. Yeah. But I think that would be cool to figure out a, a way to do a song with, like, like a more modernly produced song with that kind of style. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, But, yeah, that's just kind of just something for me. It's, like, not I don't really carry it over too much into dance music. Maybe here and there and stuff, but that's just like something I enjoy doing on the side. And you know, I would love to work, still work with like a bunch of pop artists. And you know, yeah, you would kill it. I mean, your remix of the Drake, um, what is it? Um, oh, am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one's so good. Oh, the um, the Drake Bad Bunny one. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That one's really dope because it works. It fits into that pop sensibility still, even though it has the drop. You know. Yeah, again, it's like nobody in dance music. I put it out. It's like I just kind of do. This. It's like I like doing this, and whoever wants to play it, play it. Well, <laughs> we thank you over here. I appreciate it, dude. Um, like I'll see my name on like DJ City Top Ten, and I'm like, what? You're really? Like, what the hell? Yeah. And then I'm on Beatport. I'm like number ninety. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come on, Beatport, put them up there. Um, <laughs> dope. All right. Well, where uh, do you like? What's next? And where can people follow you and stuff like that? Yeah, man, I'm just trying to get all this music out, all the collabs I talked about. Yeah, it's like dope. I'm just gonna hit, try to hit everyone with some heat, and then I'm gonna try to uh, yeah. try to do some more summery songs over the summer. Yeah, I I, just, I think f I did a lot of like dance hall and Latin stuff the last year or two. And this year, I, I think uh, for some of my stuff, I'm gonna I, I've tried to figure out how to work more of a reggae sound into it. Yeah, so a little less of like 100 BPM, a little more 150 BPM. Oh, dope. Yeah, so that's cool. Figure out how to do that. Yeah, because in reality, that's a lot. I mean, we're jamming Bob Marley, you know, classic reggae's what yeah. 140 something. Yeah, probably. it's all halftime. So like 140. It's in the same way you could, 50. you know, speed up the toots and the Maytals to like 128. You could flip those probably. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. 
Like, yeah. I just want to go home and finish that one right no, now. <laughs> I just want to hear it. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll, I'll play a little clip when we leave. All right, tight. Um, all right, well, shit, let's get out of here. Henry Fong, thank you so much for coming on the 20 podcast. I know, man. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, and we will be back next week with another episode. The 20 podcast is produced by Beat Source. Thank you to Beat Source. And join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. Peace out. We will talk to you later.